okay to the other climate activists around the world what i want what i would want to say is this journey at times it can be very lonely it can be very very stressful but you need to know that we are in this journey together you need to know that we are fighting for the same cause welcome back to another episode of who's saving the planet that was Elizabeth Gulugulu. She's a climate activist from Zimbabwe, and she is our guest today. So I'm not going to have a long intro on this one. I just wanted to say that I was so honored and humbled to have Elizabeth on the podcast. She is an inspiration for so many reasons, which you will hear. And she brought home something that I think we all know, but sometimes forget, which is that no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstance is, this fight to help save the planet, to help provide a sustainable future, is all of ours. It's something that we all share together, and it's something that we can all participate in, be it small or large, be it the little sacrifices that we make to make better decisions every day, or as she does, dedicating her life and her livelihood to it. So I'm going to just leave it with that and allow her to tell her story, but I, I wanted to say thank you. This really helped reinvigorate my inspiration and my resolve to put everything I have into this fight. So thank you, Elizabeth. Here we go. Today, we're thrilled to have with us Elizabeth Gulugulu, who is coming to us from Zimbabwe and is a climate activist in that part of the world. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you so much. We're so glad to have you on board. I'm so glad to have you on board. First of all, where are you and what does the world look like over there? Okay, so first and foremost, I'm based in Harare, uh, which is in the southern part of Africa in Zimbabwe. So the reason why we're connected is, um, why we're speaking today, uh, is because you're leading the fight for climate activism where you are. Can you tell us a little bit about the organizations that you're involved in and what, what drew you to this fight? Okay, so first and foremost, I'm going to start with what drew me to the fight. Um, I can say that I'm a victim of climate change effects. My family is, my family is also a victim. In, uh, by my family, I'm talking about my close relatives. They are also a victim of the effects of climate change. I have got to the situation where I have to travel um, certain kilometers in search of water. Uh, climate change, one of the effects of climate change is, you know, uh, extreme heat, including droughts, and this has contributed to water scarcity problems. So where I stay, we seriously have water scarcity problems. So I travel, I fetch water, I fetch water now and again uh, for cooking, for, mm -hmm. for washing, to do just a lot of things. So I'm a victim. My sister, my families have been victims. They have been affected by floods. Last year here in Zimbabwe, we had Cyclone Idai, which is also an effect of climate change. They have been affected. So I just decided that, you know what, um, this problem, it's a human problem, and yet human beings have the solutions to the climate crisis. Why can't I be part of the fight rather than complaining? Why can't I talk about these, engage our decision makers? to be part of these conversations and come up with sustainable solutions to mitigate and reduce the effects of climate change. I represent an organization called African Youth Initiative on Climate Change Zimbabwe. Um, 
it's a continental movement. So we have uh, an African Youth Initiative on Climate Change in most African countries, which is a platform for young people, which engages young people, creates opportunities for young people that are into uh, climate change related issues and tackles on a number of issues like climate finance, climate mitigation, climate um, adaptation, nature-based solutions, to mention just but a few. I'm also an ambassador for the African Youth Climate Hub, um, a hub, a youth hub that is based in Morocco, uh, that is also into, you know, uh, promoting and advocating for young people in climate change when it comes to research and accessing funds to support their climate projects. I'm also part of an international platform, which is called the Children and Youth Constituency to the ENFCCC, or in short, UNGO, or the International Youth Climate Movement. So these are some of the um, networks and the platforms that I represent and that I've been contributing to in my climate change journey. I, that's amazing that you were able to be involved in that many groups simultaneously. But um, mm -hmm. let's go back to the beginning. You know, we, I, I'm in, like I said, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm in New York, and we take for granted so many things in this part of the world and listening to you say that you have to walk uh, a number of kilometers every day just to find water uh, it really brings home that this fight is different for everyone depending on who they are and us here in this part are so privileged in so many ways that we don't need to worry about things like natural resources so i guess my question for that would be how did you make that transition from feeling like as you said, you were a victim from this to saying, I'm not going to stand, I'm not going to allow myself to be victimized anymore. Was there a moment when you said, I'm going to take agency and I'm going to get in this fight myself and not be just, as you put it, like a victim to the circumstance? Okay, so my background generally, I've always been a nature lover. I remember when I was mm -hmm. growing up, I would go to camps, and um, I'm so attached and attracted to nature. So my BSc, I did my BSc in environmental science, natural resources management. But then um, I then decided that this is the journey I want to take when I did my internship at an organization called the Environmental Management Agency. So what I had been noticing during my internship is massive land degradation due to uh, mining activities, uh, massive land degradation due to agricultural activities. And I realized that there's actually a gap because it seems as if young people, they have the energy, um, they have the platforms, but um, I think like I can use these platforms to um, change, to, to, to tell people that they can change and they actually act and advocate for environmental justice. So this is how it all started besides me being a nature lover. But um, when I did my internship, I was experiencing first-hand information on massive land degradation because we would oftenly go and visit mining sites and see how they are managing their waste. And it was something that was so devastating. So since I had to go back to school after my internship, um, my focus was on finishing school and concentrate and uh, put my energy on advocating for climate change justice and environmental justice. So you mentioned mining communities. I know Zimbabwe is a, a very minerally rich uh, place. You have lots of natural resources there. 
And with that comes lots of special interests, lots of companies and corporations and people with power that don't necessarily want things to change. What's your strategy to bring together the youth movement to start combating those entrenched special interests? Yes, there's still a gap, there's still a gap. Like uh, in most cases you find that we have investors that come, they take the resources that we have and they do not invest back into the communities that are being affected by the environmental effects or the environmental degradation which they are causing. So we have started um, doing some research on some of the areas and communities that have been affected by, you know, by massive environmental degradation. And uh, if resources permit or if resources are available, we wish to engage communities in land rehabilitation and land restoration programs as a way of, or a part of our national adaptation plans. And um, because by so doing, we are improving or creating carbon sinks by rehabilitating or uh, restoration of those degraded areas. So this is something that is still in the pipeline, but we have already started engaging with other young people that are in the communities on how best we can um, work this uh, this proposal or project forward. What do you think makes the climate fight in, in Zimbabwe unique from both the climate fights that's happening in the rest of Africa and then the rest of the world? What makes it unique is we have constantly been affected by droughts year in yeah. and year out. And Zimbabwe as a country seem not to be capable of adjusting to these effects because constantly we import grains uh, for food because if we have a drought, uh, it means that we are food insecure and we have to import uh, food. But as compared to other countries that are in the region, they have been managing well. Uh, they don't usually import, I'm talking about South Africa, Zambia, Botswana, Namibia. They've been doing quite well, but Zimbabwe has not been doing quite well. So this makes our story so unique. Um, we still need a lot of uh, climate finance. We still need a lot of people to come and assist us in the adaptation part and the mitigation part. We still need more resources so that we are able to climate proof our agricultural sector. So this is what makes our story so unique because we are still trying to leapfrog and still trying to adjust to the effects of um, of the climate crisis. Compared to then, you've had the opportunity to travel a bunch, right? You, you were uh, interning with the United Nations and you had a chance to come to New York, right? Yeah. So... What did you? What was it like to go from um, Zimbabwe, where you live when you grow up, and come to New York and be around other climate activists from around the world? What was that experience like? Of course, the the experience is always amazing. Um, meeting other young people that are doing or that are pushing the climate agenda, uh, that are passionate about what they are doing. Uh, that exchange of information is always. Um, it's always amazing yeah. and uh, getting to see how developed the other countries are. I'm talking about New York, uh, some countries that have been Germany, Madrid, uh, and how they are incorporating young people into their climate change strategy. It's always a good feeling to learn about different cultures and how they are 
engaging communities and how they are adapting or mitigating to the effects of climate change. Was there anything that you felt that you could point to that really demonstrated how this fight brings us all together, no matter where you are and what you're doing? Yes, uh, definitely it brings us all together because we are one humanity and we live in one planet. (laughs) So if we live in one planet, it means that the effects that we're experiencing, they could differ because of geographical location, but we are all experiencing the effects. The reason why I'm saying they could differ, I'm saying um, is that here in Zimbabwe, we might experience uh, droughts, but in other continents or other parts of the country, they're experiencing heat waves, cold waves, floods, tsunamis, ETC. Those are all effects of climate change. So we are all experiencing them and we are one humanity. So this brings us all together. And um, if we come together to fight uh, the climate crisis, I assure you the results will be very, very satisfying because we would have come together. But what makes this uh, process a bit derailing and a bit stressful is because normally we intend to do our different projects and our different initiatives at different times. At times we feel like we are competing against each other. At times we are not even on the same page at all. Some people tell you that climate change does not exist. And some people will tell you that it does exist. Some people will tell you that this is a gimmick. Some people will tell you that it's a scam. So we are not on the same page. Yeah. So I've had the chance to speak to a number of activists, of youth activists around the world, and everyone says some version of that, which is that there's a, not only is there the issue of the entrenched establishments and the special interests that want to keep things the same, but you're also fighting against a lack of knowledge or a lack of awareness, especially in other generations. With the youth movement, this is a very salient issue. You know, we feel, I'm, I'm, I don't think I count as youth anymore, but I'm not too far removed from it. We feel the future as this impending source of anxiety because we see how bad it could be and how short the amount of time it is to fix it. But it's hard to translate that anxiety to um, an older generation that maybe isn't isn't used to growing up with that or has to deal with other other issues which can feel more pressing. And in a situation where, like you said, in Zimbabwe, you're dealing with lots of droughts and uh, I, people that have a lack of the normal like Maslow's security. So lack of shelter, lack of food, lack, lack of access to good water. How do you make this important to people that have so much else on their plate or aren't necessarily inclined to listen to that argument? This just shows that there is a generational gap and um, those in leadership should put a bit of sacrifice to try and cover up the gap that is there. I'm talking about intergenerational dialogue so that we can cover the gap that is there. Our generation is so aware of what is happening. Our generation is just demanding for good governance. It's just demanding for sustainability. This is what our generation is demanding. And the older generation, uh, they feel threatened. We are not there to take away their positions. We have their best interest at heart because we believe that they also play an essential role in this transition. 
we also need to get to learn and get some knowledge from all the experiences they've had. But also they need to give us the platform. They need to give us the platform so that we can actually contribute to and uh, you know express the way we are feeling about how they're handling environmental issues, including climate change negotiations, including natural resources negotiations. So this is a problem in most African countries, this generational gap. Uh, people see us as a threat, yet we are not a threat. We are just putting our demands. They are very clear. Our objectives are clear that we want change. We want sustainability. We want principles of good governance. We want them to be responsible citizens. We want them to put the citizens first. We want them to put the planet and people first. So this is what we need. So at times it feels as if we are, we are fighting, yet uh, it's, just not, it's just that we are not being given the platform. So if we are given the platform and uh, if the platform is inclusive as well, because it's not a matter of you know, putting the platform, but the platform should be inclusive. If right. the platform is inclusive and if we can get on the same table and discuss, uh, have those intergenerational dialogues so that we can bridge and cover the gap that is there, I'm sure we can get far when it comes to fighting the effects of climate change. Have you, what successes have you had? What moments have you had that uh, have, you can point to and say, here, this is a point where we took over that platform, we've, we took control of the conversation and we really affected change? Wow, that is a very big question, but... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully there's so many that it's hard to pin it down yes, to just one or two yes. examples. So just Indeed. give me one or two examples of that then, one, one or two okay. stories you can share. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so we have managed to be part of our country team delegation to attend uh, climate change negotiations. This is actually a success story because in other countries, most young people, they are not allowed to attend those high-level meetings because they are referred to as high-level meetings. Only our adults are, are only supposed to attend. So we have managed to do that and we have reached to the negotiations themselves and I have managed to contribute to policy formulation. I have moderated um, some very, very big conversations um, on how on how the older generation should engage and include young people. Then on a national level, we have managed to, you know, get the attention of the decision makers themselves. By that time, referring to the Minister of Environment himself. He knows that we exist, he knows the projects that we're working on, and he's willing to engage. So if you have someone who has your ears, like the Minister of Environment, it means that it becomes easier to work even with the officers and the experts within the ministry. So I can say this has been a breakthrough because um, uh, it, has, it, it has made it easy for us to engage the government and get the support of the government, especially the Climate Change Management Department, on all the projects and activities that we are doing for young people and the citizens of Zimbabwe. So do you, this has happened in the last three or four years, right? Yes. What would you go back to and say to your younger self that was just getting started in this fight? What advice would you give to her? I would say that there is no perfect time. You can never wait for the time to be right to start working on what you want. 
start now because I'm just trying to imagine that if I had started way back in 2013 when I was still doing my internship, when I realized uh, and when I was exposed to massive environmental degradation, I would have gone far. By going far, I mean that I would have achieved a lot. But then I had to wait till I finish my university. I had to wait till I finish some of the things that were on my table, which I really wanted to tick off. But there's no perfect time. I wish I had started very, very early. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, I don't regret starting at all. So there's no perfect time. The time to start is now. If you have a dream, you have to go for it. Don't wait till you are 20-something years. Don't wait till you have accomplished something. Start working on it now uh, so that when you look back, you don't have any regrets. Well, you beat me to the punch. I'm just trying to get into this game a little bit later, but I'm inspired by people like you all over the world that are rolling up your sleeves before you well, before you realize that you I think of the older people we think that we need to have accomplished a lot before we feel like we're ready to get into the fight. And what the youth movements are showing is that that's a fallacy. There's no better yeah. time than right now to say this is the moment. And so much of the urgency with climate change is crystallizing that. We don't have time to wait. We don't have time to, you know, maybe get the perfect skill set or have the perfect opportunity. We got to jump into it now with whatever we have. Yeah. Yeah. So what did then do you hope to achieve in the next five years? If this is where you've come now and you've grown so much and you've, you've got these wins under your belt, well, how do you see... Uh, progressing and growing on those wins in the next three, four, five years? Okay, so I have realized that we have a big policy gap when it comes to young people that are doing the action on the ground and the decision makers. Most young people, they are not aware of the... Oh, Elizabeth, I think you just went dark. Can you hear me? Oh, no, I think I lost you. Okay, I'm here. Oh, here you are, you're back, yes. But you cannot see me. Uh, we just had a power cut. Oh, no. What, ha what yeah. happened? Yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, so we does having... it, this happens regularly? They just cut the power? Yeah, it does happen. Um, it, yeah, it does happen. We call them load sheddings. Right. Uh, where they you know, uh, because we are not producing more electricity that is enough for all the citizens of Zimbabwe. So they do these power cuts so that at least other areas they get to benefit and maybe for three to four hours, they'll bring back the, the electricity. And this is just, you know, this is a normal Friday. This is just, yep, sometimes the lights go off. Yeah. Yeah, we are used to this anyway. We are used to this. This is our life. So, yeah. Yeah, and you can't let it stand in the way, I guess, right? Here we are. We're still talking. We're still able to connect it and do that. One of the modern, one of the reasons why this movement is can be so different is that we do have the technology now to be talking thousands of miles away, and you just had the power cut, but we, we're continuing to keep the conversation going. So I guess yeah. that's one, one good thing about this century that we're living yeah. in. 
Yeah. So, but please, please keep going. Um, you are fantastically silhouetted now, so you look like you're in witness protection, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's keep up this story. Tell me again, pick it up where you left off about what we can do in the next five years to keep, um, keep this going, keep, your, keep the momentum going with the fight in Zimbabwe. Okay, yeah. So I was saying that there is a big policy gap that is there between the policymakers and young people that are doing the action on the ground. So in order to feel that policy, I, I want to be a policymaker in five years time. I'm seeing myself um, maybe as a member of parliament or just a decision maker, someone who is making decisions, um, representing young people, representing women in vulnerable communities. This is where I see myself in five years time uh yeah what do your what do your parents say about what you've accomplished and what you're doing well okay they are fine with it <laughs> just that's it yeah. they're just fine with it i think i would be thrilled if my daughter was going okay to the so UN okay so i wanted to say that um both my parents they passed away so unfortunately oh. Uh, they could not live to see all these achievements that I have managed to accomplish. But Elizabeth, um, I'm so sorry. I, I had no idea. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's 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 okay. Um, I really have a good family, uh, like my sisters, my cousins. We have been very very supportive. My aunts, I mean, close family members. We have been very supportive of. Uh, the journey that I've taken and they are always proud of the work that I do. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, if anything, it's more of a testament of your strength and your resolve that you're still getting up and being an inspiration for all the people around you. Yeah. 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 So then um, if you're going to go and make your voice heard, go to parliament. What's the legacy that you think that you would want to leave if you would ever want to have a family? What would you want to teach the people that come after you? I have one objective. Okay. That objective is to make sure that we have good environmental governance. Mm -hmm. So if we have good environmental governance, it also means that even all policies and strategies in line with climate change or that are environmentally related, um, they'll be inclusive, they'll be accessible, and uh, uh, everyone can understand them, etc. By so doing, it means that we can have better lives, better livelihoods, better people who are participating in these decision-making, um, these decision-making policies that we have. So um, I think basically, this is my goal and this is what I would want people to know, what I would want people to be aware of, that if we take care of the environment, the environment will give back. If we degrade the environment, the environment will not be able to give back. So yeah, this is my simple message. It's uh, one that we all could do well to heed. So I, for coming to the end to our, of, our, of our interview now, I wanted to also just lend you this platform now um which it is only so big we're trying to make it every bigger every day so that we can get stories like yours out but what message would you have for the other climate activists around the world 
Okay, to the other climate activists around the world, what I want, what I would want to say is, this journey at times it can be very lonely, it can be very very stressful, but you need to know that we are in this journey together. Um, you need to know that we are fighting for the same cause. It's allowed to take a break. It's allowed to take care of your mental health. It's also allowed, you know, to just relax for a bit and come up with a lot of momentum. And also, as we're in this journey, it's not about ourselves. It's about people that do not have a voice. We are representing the voice of the voiceless. We are representing the rural communities who do not have access to this platform. We are sort of like a bridge to the, you know, to the policymakers. So we should not make it all about us. It's about the people and it's about the planet that we are fighting for. So let's keep up the momentum. Let's be united. We are fighting for the same thing and let's collaborate. Let's do a lot of partnerships. No need for competition. I mean, the space is too big and there's space for everyone to fly in the sky. So these are just my words. Well, thank you for lending us your time and your words. Um, it's it's having opportunities to have conversations with with people like you that makes me inspired. Makes me feel like we got a fighting chance here, and we can we can really help to save this planet. So, I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate you lending us your story. And keep up the good fight. You're doing a fantastic job, and you truly are are, are leading the way for the rest of us. So, thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing platform and for listening to my story. It's our pleasure. 